Are you ready to live life to the full? Are you ready to rise up and live a life of honor? Are you ready to boldly step into a life of courage? This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. I'm your host, Josh Hatcher. Today we've got a special episode for you. It is an interview with writer, director Caleb Combs and uh, my son Abe Hatcher, who's a comedian. And uh, we're going to talk about the best guy movies of all time, some of our favorite guy movies. So I hope you enjoy. We'll be right back after this. So guys, let me introduce you to these guys. Uh, you will see with the great big white blue snowball microphone is Caleb Combs wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs hat. Are you really like into the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I'm into this hat, certainly. <laughs> and then here and I'm, with... into, I'm into Toronto. Yeah. That's what happens when you wear a hat. And then yeah, here with here with the uh, COVID-19 hairstyle is um, my son, Abe, who is a comedian. Uh, you can follow him on YouTube at Abe Hatcher. And, if you uh, find me under all this hair. Yeah, if you can find him under all the hair. And uh, so Abe and Caleb are my resident movie buffs, and we have lots of awesome conversations about movies. And I thought that it would be kind of fun for us to do a podcast, maybe talk about the top guy movies of all time. So uh, kind of have a little bit of a list in my head. I know Caleb's got a little bit of a list, and I think Abram has... Mm -hmm. I have a general idea of some yeah, he, of movies. He, he knows a, a few movies. that. So I thought maybe we could kind of go through and kind of spitball here and have some fun with that. So uh, Caleb is, um, when I call him my resident movie buff, uh, I know he's also a writer. He uh, loves to, to, do, to make movies and plays, and I know you kind of want to uh, direct. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's some kind of cool aspirations there, and we can kind of have some fun with all this, I thought. So. Uh, let's get started. Why don't we uh, discuss uh, maybe some qualifications for what makes a good guy movie? You guys, any thoughts on that? Is there like so the the parameter the parameters that I was I was given for this assignment were basically top five guy movies, or as I've written here, uh, top five dude moves. <laughs> uh, top five dude moves. The moonwalk. Uh, <laughs> um, so I didn't want to just reach into the pile of action movies and grab a handful of those, just like action movies with cool fight scenes. I love action movies with cool fight scenes, but there are a lot of uh, different kinds of movies out there that I wanted to maybe try to highlight. So I set myself sort of a two two pronged approach to this, and the first prong was uh, sort of go across all sorts of different genres and try to find uh, good movies that are sort of centered around centered around uh, men, and we are not lacking for options uh, for movies about men. So, uh, and the Great guy movie. <laughs> <laughs> actually... It's just, a it's just a great movie, period. It actually um, is. It, like, well, I haven't seen the new one yet, but The Old Little, oh, it's little so Women good. is actually a great movie. Actually, there are themes of masculinity in the movie. So, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I'm not going to knock it down. But... The, new, the, the new one is so good, but it's not on this list. Um, That's okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the second part of my approach was try to try to find movies that feature men sort of uh, demonstrating qualities of 
uh, manhood or masculinity that I admire and that I aspire to. Awesome. That's awesome. So um, why don't we get right down to it? Uh, who wants to go first with the, with maybe uh, what their, the first one? Do we want to go like number one being the top or and start at that, or do we want to start number one being I, the last? Or is I, it ranked I, I in... I kind of have an order. They're not ranked, but I have an order here. Cool. Yeah, I kind of want to approach these in. So why don't you go ahead and start with your with uh, with your first suggestion for us then on uh, guy movies? We can talk about okay. it and what we like about it. Okay. Uh, it's one that I know you like because you're the one who recommended it to me. Uh, it's a movie called Warrior from 2011, directed by Gavin O'Connor. Yep. Uh, Gavin O'Connor has directed a couple of these uh, sports movies, including uh, Miracle. And also a movie that just came out recently, it's called The Way Back, which is a movie about an alcoholic basketball coach that's not actually about basketball. And in a similar way, Warrior is a movie about MMA fighters that isn't actually about MMA. Right. It's uh, great. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, it was it's, actually top of my list, too, so I'm kind of glad that we both have that. I have it's uh, you need to watch it. Okay. I think oh, it's, it's on very Hulu good right now. Is so yeah. yes, it. it's watch. it's on Hulu and on uh, Amazon Prime. If you have that, you can watch it there. Uh, it's a story about two brothers and their relationship with each other and their sort of individual relationships with their father. It's about men uh, who feel like they failed each other in some ways and also feel like they have been failed by each other. It's about the relationships we have with our families and how much a part of us they are, even if we don't particularly like our families that much, they are part of the basic building blocks of who we are as people. And whether they drag us down or lift us up is entirely up to our own individual choices. Definitely. And the it also, as a guy movie with fight scenes... Like, oh, the fight scenes are terrific. The MMA scenes are amazing, and so like they're very intense, very, very, pretty brutal for a for a PG thirteen. And yeah. I know if I am if you trust IMDb trivia, uh, both Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy, who play the main brothers in the movie, <laughs> both got pretty seriously injured during some of the fight scenes. So they were they were pretty pretty tough. Yeah, it's, and it's it's filmed in a way where it's it's very realistic too. Like in terms of the fighting, looks more like you're actually watching an MMA match than mm -hmm. you know uh, in the same way kind of I guess that. Uh, the Rocky movies, maybe. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, which it, it kind of has that same realism to the to the fight scenes, which is really sweet. My favorite part of the movie, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but at the end of the movie, in the biggest kind of last fight scene, which again is not about the fight, which I think is kind of mm -hmm. cool. It's not about the fight, but the fight is happening. There is this song that's playing by a band called The National, and it's just. Like, you know how, like, at the end of a song, sometimes they'll, like, I call it ragging it out, but I i don't know exactly what the official term is, where, like, they all just kind of bang and make noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're just, like, it's, yeah. everything falls apart. Yeah, it's everything like, kind of falls apart. <laughs> so that happens in the song, at the and, and then instead of that being it falling apart, it swells like that. And it just, oh. so this movie ends with this big, long, cacophonous swell that just builds and builds, and it, like it adds mm -hmm. this tension because you're seeing what's happening on the screen between these two characters and what you're seeing is it's it's like a love that family it, love that brotherhood it's ah it I it adds the tension that. but it's also it's also like a big sort of cathartic sort of big like scream of like of 
release of that tension too. Yeah. Um, it yeah, the ending makes me cry. It and it, it brings <laughs> resolution. You know, I mean, it yeah. it's 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 a powerful powerful movie. You need to watch it definitely. Yeah. I'll watch it. I will watch ah. it. I love fighting. Fighting is fun. You want to fight? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um. Yeah, definitely. That's on my list too. So we have a a, a combo, a, a crossover right there, which is awesome. Yep. Um, what uh, a what about you? What's uh, what's what's one of the movies you think that uh, um, you would recommend? I mean, like a hundred percent the Rocky movies, like that. If you ask like any guy what their favorite manly, it's 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 Rocky. Do you include the, the Creed movies? I mean, yes and no, because like they're different in like themes but in terms of like fighting and just being a a, a movie with fighting yeah i mean like creed 2 especially I, more than the first one oh i honestly i think creed the first one might be my favorite in the franchise right i it's it, it's it's the sort of father and son legacy thing it's the same thing mm-hmm. that gets me about warrior it's yeah. that i love um first of all all the rocky movies are amazing one of the things that always blows my mind is when you think about how great they are, and, I mean, the lead character is Sylvester Stallone, obviously, playing Rocky. And he's kind of not the brightest guy. And he doesn't... Sylvester Stallone Sylvester, Rocky? Rocky. <laughs> and, and when Sylvester Stallone talks, his voice isn't that much different than Rocky. And so when you watch it, in my mind, I have this image of who Sylvester Stallone is, and it's kind of the dumb brute with a big heart that's a good fighter. Yeah. Right? That's how I picture Sylvester Stallone because having grown up on Rocky movies, which by the way, was mm-hmm. one of the first movies I watched. And my mom and dad told me that I was a little, I think it might've been like, I don't remember which Rocky movie it was, but they took me to the theater. I was playing and I got all excited and I guess punched the lady in the <laughs> row ahead of me in the back of the head. Yeah. yeah so. How old were you? I don't know. Rocky's <laughs> setting a bad example for our children. <laughs> um, so, but... Uh, All the way, 35, 35. <laughs> I was 35, yeah. Just a baby. But, but so that in my mind, that's my picture of Sylvester Stallone, is this dumb boxer. But honestly, like, he wrote that movie, right? He did? He, yep, he wrote the movie. He wrote, hmm. uh, he wrote that, and he, uh, the legend goes that he uh, went around trying to sell that movie to a bunch of different studios, uh, and they would... Uh, they were interested in the script, but they said, uh, "Who's going to play Rocky?" And he said, "Me." And they said, "No, no, we will. Like, we we need a real actor to play this part." And so he just took it and uh, gathered up a group of friends, raised the money, and like friends, like professionals, but like sure. raised the money and then produced it independently. And then it won a bunch of Oscars and spawned like this huge legacy. So, so um. Since the and it's funny that you said the Rocky movies because like I yeah, I thought I that I was them. gonna cheat by making like in my top five the Rocky movies counts for That's, yeah it's one but it's all of them you know like I love every one of them. This there's, is our list. We don't have, who who yeah, makes who the needs rules? Huh? But there's always that uh, question of which one is the best, which one is your favorite. Mm. Um, so let's ask that question, oh. Abram. Favorite Rocky movie? Favorite Rocky? And, movie? and we can count the Creed movies in that if you want. Jeez. Uh, I'd say either Creed two or um maybe Rocky. Uh, was it four where he fought the Russian guy? It was yeah, four. Okay, that was yeah. four. It was either Rocky four or Creed two. Just because there's 
it feels like there's a lot more at stake in those ones than there is at the other ones. It just feels bigger to me, and I just like that. How about you, Caleb? I think you mentioned that your favorite might be the, the crew. I mean, I mean, some people will draw a distinction between favorite and best. I tend to go with favorite being yeah. the metric by which I judge things. Um, I honestly, yeah, I think it is Creed. I'll, full disclosure, I have not. I think I've seen all of them, but I haven't seen a lot of them in a long time. Um, but yeah, uh, Creed, uh, it's the one to me beyond the first one that sort of feels the most personal, which is a weird thing to say for the seventh movie in a series, but, mm. you know, Ryan Coogler, who made that movie, grew up on the Rocky movies and, like, watched them with his dad and had this idea for Apollo Creed's son coming in and being involved. And and the relationship between Donnie and Rocky in that movie, the sort of mentorship is feels really special to me. And uh yeah, I think I that's probably my favorite one. It's the one I sort of come back to the most. Yeah, I would definitely mm-hmm. uh, I think it is an excellent movie. I think my favorite Okay, so I have two parts to my favorite thing. First of all, I love both Creed movies. I do love them very much. Mm-hmm. My favorite is always like when I think of Rocky, I always think of fighting the Russians, which is four. I mean that like at that time in history when that came out like we were all afraid of Red Dawn. Like we like mm-hmm. we were Wolverines all the way. I was, all of us little boys were playing, you know, army in the backyard with our GI Joes and our our guns without the orange tips. Sorry boys, that's what we had. We could totally have robbed a bank back then and nobody would have said a word about it. Um <laughs> I mean they or, probably would I say, think, I hey, think, you're a bunch I, of kids. What are you doing in a bank? <laughs> I also think maybe, like, the police might have had something to say about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, they wouldn't have known that they weren't real guns back then. So, But we were always fighting the Russians. Like, it was always what we did. It was our cultural heritage. So that movie just sinks in, like, with this, you know, nostalgia for me of feeling like I was saving the world. But mm-hmm. my favorite uh, Rocky moment of all time is actually from my least favorite Rocky movie. Um, There is a scene, and I... I is it five? I think it's five. I think five or, is the one where he he doesn't fight at all. Is maybe it's not five. Maybe it's Rocky Balboa, where he talks to his son, and his son is played by um, Milo. Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, that guy, Jack from This Is Us. Um, yep. <laughs> and he and he has that that talk with him in the street about. Are you talking talking about the speech? Yeah, it, knocked down. Yeah, I think is, that's five. Is that right? in five or is that in? That's Balboa. That's, that's Rocky Balboa. Balboa. Okay. Well, my least favorite movie is five, so but that is my favorite Rocky moment of all. Like, that speech is like, like everything that yeah, every father like wants the, to say to a son. It's like the ultimate motivational speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get off your butt and do something. I told my son. Okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off my butt. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Um, so, okay, so Rocky movies on the list for me as well as you in terms of favorites mm-hmm. of all time. Definitely. Did we throw off your list with that? Was that on your list? No, no, it wasn't, okay. but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good call. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what's next on your list, Caleb, of favorite movies? My favorite list. Movies? Um, so a genre I have, within the last couple of years, really discovered that I enjoy very much is a genre I call uh, adults who are good at their jobs. 
to uh, to paraphrase the Blank Check podcast, which is a movie podcast I listen to all the time. Um, and most of the time they're based on true stories or like biographical stories of uh, of real people. Uh, examples of this, there are a couple Spielberg movies in there, like Lincoln and uh, Bridge of Spies. Um, uh, Ford versus Ferrari from last year is another example of a good one. Uh, James Mangold's movie. Um, just movies about like uh, people who are good at their jobs who do the right thing in the right in in the circumstances they're given. And uh, one of my favorites of those is my next pick. It's Sully from 2016, directed by Clint Eastwood, about the uh, the pilot of the plane uh, that landed in the Hudson River in, I believe, January of 2009. It was called The Miracle of the Hudson, Miracle on the Hudson. Uh, Chesley Sully Sullenberger. He's played in the movie by Tom Hanks. And um, it's a really, it's, it's a really interesting performance because in the movie, and from what I understand in real life, Sully is just this he is the picture of calm competence. It's just in this one in a million circumstance where a bird flies into the engine of the plane Wasn't it, and the plane was it a Canada goose? I am I am not certain. If it was, I'm making you take off your Toronto Maple Leafs hat because I'm telling you those Canadians have got it out for us. Sabotage. Gosh, stupid Canadians. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will not Sorry, stand. <laughs> I will not stand for a slander uh, against the nation of my nephew. Um, That's why you're <laughs> sitting down. Um, but uh, just the 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 confidence and the ability and the experience of decades of piloting took over, and he managed to safely land this plane. In the river in January, so not ideal circumstances, but it's certainly better than crashing into a building. It's certainly better than a dis- the disaster that it could have been. And, you know, everyone hails him as a hero for this, but throughout the movie you see him struggling with the fact that it happened at all, and you see him having nightmares about it and sort of having flashbacks to it. You know, sort of, he didn't do it to be a hero. He did it because... It was his instinct, and it was the thing that would save the most people in the terrible circumstance he was put in. And uh, Clint Eastwood loves to make movies about uh, a lone hero standing up against the system. So there's a kind of plot like that in the movie that I'm not entirely sure is accurate to how it happened in real life, but sort of the 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 board that oversees aviation at least in the movie, runs an investigation that almost ends up turning into like an inquisition. And the way that he explains himself to that hearing, Tom Hanks, it's it's such a really great understated performance because he shuts them down without ever raising his voice. Hmm. It's It's terrific. It's a really terrific movie, and it's like... It, there's also a scene in the... where. You know, you see the plane crash. You see it go in, you know, you're on the flight. There's a sequence, and it's, watching it in the theater was one of the most intense things I've ever 
experienced in a movie theater. And after it's all said and done, and this is based on history, so I don't really feel like it's a spoiler, but, you know, when they're all in the hospital, uh, Sully is sitting in the hospital sort of waiting room, and someone comes in and tells him that all of the passengers survived. No one died. There were no serious injuries. And he breaks down, and I broke down too. A theme with these might be that I cry in these movies. I don't know, but <laughs> it's all good. Nothing wrong with that. But like, but it's 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 an extreme like it's a, a release of that tension and just an acknowledgement of like I did my job and everybody's okay. It's it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Sully, I highly recommend it. I'm actually highly. I'm really familiar with the story of when it all happened, but I haven't seen the movie. Um, I do know I've had. Uh, I have quality who are quality friends. mustache work by Aaron Eckhart too, by the way. Oh, just cool. a just a great stash. I love <laughs> stashes. Um, I know several pilots, like in real life. In fact, my best friend when I was in school was, uh, um, he had his pilot's license before his driver's license, and um, one of the things they drill into you. And we used to go up and like rent a plane in Wellsville and like fly it like to Bradford and get a hamburger at the restaurant and then fly back. So it'd be like a hundred dollar hamburger just for the fun of it. And so here's these two 16-year-old kids in an airplane flying over their house like we're doing circles over the house. My little brother tramping messages in the snow to us and um hmm. but the thing about it is every pilot that I know they have that calm, cool like like nothing's going to get them riled up. Like nothing. Like because you can't. Like you yeah. You're like, literally in a in a car in mm -hmm. the sky. And mm -hmm. a gust of wind or a bird can knock you out. So, like, like that's definitely, like, a part of their... I think it has to be in your personality to be able to do that. Like, you've got to be... It's it's personality. I also think it's experience. Again, like yeah. that... Like, like, I was talking, like, he had Sully, not your friend, but <laughs> Sully had, had had decades of experience behind him to to know how to handle a situation like that. Obviously... He'd never been in that exact exact situation before, but yeah, it it's something that comes from experience and. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Abe, you got a movie? Which one of your uh, movies? I got a movie. It's a little. It's a little small movie. You might have heard about it. It's called Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Another I... Tom Hanks joint. Yeah, we're we're in a Tom Hanks kind of area here, aren't we? Wow. I mean, he's a he's a very he's a very good man, right? I don't know if he is or not. I don't know him personally. I it's uh, based on everything I've heard. He's he's everything you think he would be. See, that could mean lots of things, though, yeah. because some what? people think some really weird things about Tom Hanks. But we're not getting into that. <laughs> he is the nice guy people expect him to be. Is what I mean. oh, okay. Okay. So Forrest Gump. Why is that on your list of manly movies? What do you think? I think. I mean, because the whole movie is about, like, a man and, like, his whole journey through life and how he's, like, he may not know what he's doing half the time, but he always just, he just keeps, just keeps moving forward and it keeps, you know, keeps on keeping on. And, like, he ends up being, like, one of the most successful men in the world just by living his life and doing good. You know, and showing his butt to the president, and showing his butt to the president. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? I mean, I don't care what president it is; it would be fun. I'm just saying. I mean, you get ice Who cream. Who doesn't? You get it ice doesn't... cream. <laughs> you didn't so, get ice that's cream. That's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. I, 
I will I will be totally honest. I've never seen that movie all the way through, so maybe now's the really? time. Now that we have time. You're yeah. like the movie guy. For, yeah, everybody's got seen, blind. Didn't he buy Every... you the copy of Forrest Gump that you have? No. Oh, okay. I thought maybe he did. No, we had that. <laughs> I also bought somebody a copy of Hook, and I hate that movie, so. That's a, I love that movie. Bangarang. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> that is a quote from the movie. <laughs> Anyway, that is a that is a fake word they say in that movie. <laughs> okay, so the thir- the thirtieth best Spielberg movie. Any what else, what else? Anything else on Forrest Gump? You think it's I definitely it's a manly movie. Definitely, I think there's something to that quiet uh, confidence that he has. And there's Vietnam. That's there's explosions. Oh yeah, and he like to- but he also like he saved his entire platoon. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, pretty there's cool. all sorts of crazy stuff that happens in that movie that that could mm. be construed as any kind of manly. And he loves you know? one woman for his entire life, no matter what. Even though she's a terrible person, she totally is a terrible person. Yeah, that mo- that uh, that movie is not very kind to Jenny. But <laughs> well, I mean, Jenny's not very kind. So <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Cool. Um. So, if the Rocky movies counted as one, I'm also going to say the Lord of the Rings movies is on my list. Ooh, all I of love them. Those. Good including call. The Hobbit, including, the Hobbit? Okay. including the Hobbit. And I know a lot of people are. Less good call. I, that's okay. I love them. I love them. Um, I, I, know. Like, I know. I feel like those, there's, yeah. there's good stuff in there. I, I will honestly say. I will honestly say that I think Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins is like the best casting choice. Yeah. In the world. I feel He's like, so good. I feel like. Um, the uh, Lord of the Rings movies has a all of them just have this, uh, and I think the most manly of all of them in terms of movies is probably Return of the King. I feel like that, like that, you know, that's Aragorn's story, and he's mm-hmm. kind of that mm-hmm. he, the whole way through. He's not coming into his true identity, his true calling until that, and so. Up until that point, you're identifying with with Frodo. You're identifying with Sam, or uh, or even Gandalf, who's kind of featured. At, you know, the two towers is is yeah. kind of his story. And in that last one, you get Aragorn's story, where he's stepping into what he's meant to be. And uh, I, I love that. I think it's a, a cool moment where you just see him from the, this quiet uh, quiet guy who Edgelord. is conflicted like... to okay. <laughs> Edgelord. Yeah. Well, to, he to, is. Okay, we're ready to go here. I'm the king. Yeah, he goes with a talk- nickname Strider. Like, come on. <laughs> like, we're talking a lot about legacy with some of these. Mm, yeah. Because that's him sort of embracing his legacy and sort of embracing where he comes from. True. And he almost was like almost ashamed of it, it felt like. Well, yeah, because it's, it's from a failed line of royalty. Oh, yeah. For, it's, it's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a really good concept there that the sword the sword was broken it has been remade mm, yeah. yeah there's some really good manly thoughts there about because like i like to think that you had a good dad i know i have a good dad i know caleb you've got a good dad but i know that a mm-hmm. lot of men did not and not everybody have. has a good dad not everybody has a good male example to follow mm-hmm. and so i think a lot of even with even with a good dad even with the best dad we all still have to work through the weaknesses of our fathers and those that came before us to kind of come into yeah, because... um, like, like uh, Boromir and uh, what's uh, Faramir. Yeah, they had the worst dad. Oh, 
like that <laughs> yeah that was their whole story was about like yeah. them and their dad and one of them went the same path and the other went the other even though at the end you kind of mm-hmm. fought for redemption yeah that's definitely yeah. a good i theme. i yeah and uh i lost my train of thought you're that's gonna have good. to edit that out but <laughs> it's all good or but... i can leave it in to make fun of you it's all good Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, uh, you said, like, not everybody has the best dad. Even with the best dad, uh, you're going to have to sort of sift through the mistakes that your dad made. Because everybody everybody makes mistakes. I feel like that's important to acknowledge is that no one is the perfect parent. No one has the perfect situation. And you're going to have to, at some point, realize that you are your own person. And that the changes you need to make to be the best person, man, woman, person you can be, come from you. And you can learn from the examples that your parents have set, but you ultimately have to find who you are on your own. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 150%. My math isn't so great. Um, (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Caleb, what's next on your list? Next on my list, I told you I'm sort of sort of rooting around the entire uh, genre bucket here. Sure. Uh, here's one that I don't know if people have seen. Um, it is a film from 1952, directed by Akira Kurosawa, called Ikiru, which in Japanese means to live. Um, so I know this is Kurosawa. When... He makes mad films. Kur... I'm quoting the Kuros... Naked Ladies. Like Kurosawa, I make mad films. Yes. Uh, okay, I don't make films, but if I did, they'd have a samurai. And that's what most people know Kurosawa for, is uh, who know him, they know him for samurai movies, like uh, Yojimbo or Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. uh, Rashomon, sort of historical, like, period Japanese movies. But he also made a good number of uh, contemporary crime thr- thrillers, like High and Low and Stray Dog and The Bad Sleep Well, and a couple of contemporary dramas, like the one I'm talking about, Ikiru. Uh, it's sometimes called uh, Kurosawa's version of It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, kind of. Uh, it's about a Japanese bureaucrat who has spent decades of his life basically wasting his time doing busy work in a public works office. And... Uh, does never, never takes a sick day. Just sort of, uh, just sort of, spends his life. Doesn't live it, but spends it in this office. And then one day he is diagnosed with stomach cancer, and learns that he only has a few months to live. And he realizes that he is, he has, essentially wasted his life and not lived. Um, and so, throughout the course of the of the movie, he finds that he sort of experiments with different ways to to feel like he's living his life. He finds a, a number of different people to spend time with to try to try to figure out what that means, and eventually he finds a purpose for his last few months on Earth. And uh, it's a movie about basically not waiting for. Uh, the right moment because the right moment is never going to come. You have to make the moment to make a difference, to make a change, to do something 
worthwhile, you have to make that moment now if you can because the next one isn't guaranteed. Uh, it's very emotional. It's very honest. It's dark but not like overbearing or gritty. Um, it, it made me cry, which again, it's the third one on my list that has made me cry. Uh, it's uh, it's just... It's a it's it's gentle without being overly sentimental. It's 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 so good. It's a very 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 good movie, and I highly recommend checking out Ikiru. I K, I K I R U. Yes. I. Well, where can you see that? Is that that sounds like it's gonna be obscure uh, and hard to find, huh? It's not that obscure or hard to find. I believe you can rent it from iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, all your usual streaming services. Um, streaming, I think it's on Canopy and uh, the Criterion channel. Cool. Awesome. We'll have to check it out. I haven't, I have not uh, watched a whole lot of old movies like that, uh, especially, you know, foreign films. So I think it's kind of a cool, a cool deep dive to go down to. And uh, that sounds mm-hmm. like a good, a good movie to do. I think, way. I think, uh, uh, Bong Joon Ho, who directed Parasite last year, had an interview last year where he was talking about, non-English language films, and he said something like, if you can climb over the one-inch barrier of subtitles, an entirely new world of movies gets opened up to you. So, uh, Abe likes subtitles. I like, sub- I like watching movies with subtitles. Actually, I, I like even English movies with subtitles because I can't yeah. Anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, I usually I usually leave them on just to make sure I don't miss Especially anything. Especially if somebody yeah. has like an English accent or like Australian, I'm like, what did they say? What did they say? <laughs> so subtitles, yeah, all about it, all about it. <laughs> awesome, Abe. Do you have anything else in your? Uh... Um, I do. What's that? I mean, I didn't have this plan, but uh, Caleb just he just reminded me. He he mentioned uh, that that movie was like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it so much, but I also consider it like a manly movie. Definitely, I mean oh, yeah. it's oh yeah, it's like it's about like this guy's life and the the choices he made and and like the the sacrifices that he made and and like in the end how how his choices mattered. And how it influenced the people around him, and how like that can benefit him, you know, like there's all sorts of there's all sorts of little things in there, and it's really great. It's we always think of the movie at Christmas time because that's it's been well, traditionally yeah, played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. It is absolutely a Christmas movie, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it definitely is. I mean, I mean, so is Die Hard, but um. Careful! <laughs> Somebody's gonna. We're gonna get it. No, no, gonna no! It you. is. It can is. We, can we just get it? Can we just get a consensus here? So is it Gremlins. is a Christmas. Die Hard is a Christmas so movie. So is Gremlins. Gremlins is a Christmas. Oh yeah. Movie. Gremlins. Is a oh yeah. Christmas so um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a Wonderful Life. Um, so I do have one question about that movie though. Why can George Bailey not kiss? <laughs> have you ever noticed he just like violently rubs yeah, his face like... against? He's just like. <laughs> Like, oh, he just like shakes people all the time. <laughs> like, I love you. Yeah. Let me smash my face on you. <laughs> well, Abe brought up him shaking people all the time. It's it's interesting because that movie is like George Bailey is a good person. He is mm-hmm. fundamentally a a good person, but he's not always nice. 
he's not always smart with the way he does things. It feels like a real guy, you know? Yeah, he's got, um, and there's so many lessons in that movie too, but he's got this, uh, there's, uh, it, it's just, there's an intense intensity leading up to that breakdown of his where mm-hmm. he, where, you know, and honestly, you know, I mean, I know like podcasts are one of those things where someone could be listening or watching to this, watching this right now, or mm-hmm. like in a couple months or a couple years. But what's happening as it's being recorded is this global pandemic COVID-19 thing. Everybody's in lockdown and everybody's blood pressure and stress level have gone up. And I feel like, Don't like I, I mean, it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, grab my wife and shake her. <laughs> You know, I mean, she'd hurt me, so I don't. Yo, listen to me. Listen to me. Um, but I feel like, like, definitely, I think a lot of people may actually be able to identify with the circumstances that are pushing George Bailey to the edge at a time like this, when you know there's financial crisis, there's all of oh, these yeah. stressors. So, and he's he's trying to do the right thing, always, but it's mm-hmm. not working out for him. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, is that sometimes the right thing can still cost you. I mean, he could totally have thrown his uncle under the bus, but he didn't throw his uncle under the bus. And, um, you know, the end of the movie, which I got... This is an old enough movie that it doesn't matter if we spoil it. I mean, things Everybody's work out it. for George. Yeah, things work out for George. And they give him money. And they, all, they all pitch in and take care of him. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been in those moments where like, how in the world are we going to get through this? How are we going to get through this financial problem? How are we going to do this? And, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I believe that there's some providence at work. I believe that God kind of guides a lot of that, but, but he, he uses friends and I can't tell you how many times there's been an envelope of cash when I needed it or groceries on the front porch when I needed it, you know? And, um, and those things come when you, invest them when you have it you know the reason that all those people did that for george is because george did the right thing for them when they needed it yeah and then it came back later you know and so i know just something to think about like you know people always freak out when it feels like the world has come to an end and nobody's there for them where were you when things were good were you there for them because it does come back you know what you put out there comes back to you also you know, she mentioned about the circumstances of, of COVID-19 and the sort of panic that we all have about how are we going to get through this? It's the same way we always get through everything. We get through it together. Yeah. Well, together, uh, also not together. <laughs> well. <laughs> like, kind of together. Collective effort. <laughs> not necessarily being physically together. Yeah. Right. Awesome. That's a great movie, Abe. I'm glad that's on your list. It is a great movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a really great movie. We watch it every Christmas at least once. Oh, you know, okay. So, I love it in black and white. Oh. You mean the way you should watch it? It, Yeah. But I'm just going to tell you, there's something about when you've watched a movie, the same movie your entire life in black and white, and then you see a good colorized version of it, you're like... It's like a new it was, movie. It was crazy. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. You know, okay, quick, quick, another thoughts on that movie that I think totally get ignored. Mm-hmm. 
that movie has some things happening in the movie that were not happening in movies then. The Absolutely. conversation with the angels with the animated like galaxies lighting up. Like, nobody was doing stuff like that at that time. That movie was made, what was it? Um, well, um, 1946. Yeah, I love that 40s. he knows all, every detail about everything. He's a genius. I love it. Um, <laughs> he's a Caleb is overstating boy. things a little bit, guys. What did you say? He said he's a special boy. Special man. Special man. So, um, I'll take boy. So, uh, that was interesting. There's also like this, this one scene where he's talking about his suitcase. And he stretches his hand out like like, yeah, like this. Like, it, was, it was this one. And there's so the um the camera captures his uh, hand out blurred, and then there's a freeze frame, and then you cut yes. to the conversation with the angels. And, freeze frame. And that is not a new technique. They had the technique back then, but nobody used oh, yeah, it. Yeah, it didn't. As a creative Frank Capper didn't invent didn't invent freeze framing. No, no, but, but it was a, it wasn't used as a part of the creative storytelling like that, at least not in a way that like when you watch that movie, it almost makes it feel kind of modern mm-hmm. and that they use these special, these simple special effects in a way that nobody was doing it. And so, you know, I don't know. It just is, it almost has this, the movie holds up today because of absolutely. that kind of absolutely inventive take on things, I think so. So you're you're a black and white purist, huh? Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, these, these things were specifically composed for black and white. Like color choices they made in costume and set design were specifically chosen for black and white because of the way they would show up on black and white film. But I also acknowledge that I'm a snob and a weirdo. So you know, watch whatever you want to watch, however you want to watch it. Just know that I'll be silently judging you. <laughs> if that matters to you, oh, it's all good. Uh, Caleb, what else is on your list, bud? What do you What do you got? Have we hit five, okay. Have we hit your five movies yet? Nope. This will be four. This is four. Okay. This will be number four. I've only gone through three. I told you I talk a lot. No, it's all um, good. This is, this is fun. So, trying to sort of reach through the the grab bag of genres, I was trying to find something from my one of my favorite genres, uh, horror. Ooh. Trying to find examples examples of of a good man doing good things in horror, and uh, in at least in a lot of popular horror movies, there, there are not a lot of good examples because the the big tough guy is usually the guy running around stabbing teenagers. So, um, uh, I was thinking about examples of 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 you know like male heroes in horror, or whatever. And you know, there's Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two with Ash, you know, who's kind of a Big noble idiot with a with a chainsaw hand. Um, there was a movie that came out last year called The Lighthouse about two 19th century lighthouse keepers sort of trapped on an island with each other. That is actually kind of a movie about um, ego and masculinity gone sour when they're trapped in an extreme circumstance. It, that's a, a, an interesting movie to think about right now when we're all in isolation. Um, but the one that kept coming to mind, that I keep coming back to, is one of my favorite movies. And maybe it's, I don't think it's controversial anymore, but um, I just think it's an American masterpiece. It's The Exorcist from 1973, directed by William Friedkin. Hmm. And the reason I'm bringing it into the discussion about uh, uh, dude moves is the character of Father Karras, Father Damien Karras, who was a Jesuit 
uh, priest, who is also a psychiatrist, who uh, throughout the movie is sort of starting to experience doubts about his faith and about uh, the sort of life that he's devoted himself to, the life that he's chosen for himself. And it only gets worse when his mother dies and he starts wondering, well, where was God in that? You know, what is, you know, what's the point of all this? What am I doing? And then he gets called in to be sort of the backup priest at this exorcism at the end of the movie. And, uh, I don't feel too bad about spoiling a nearly 50-year-old movie if this is a spoiler, but um, basically, it does not go well for most of most of the uh, the exorcism procedure. You want to call it? Sounds like a like a like an outpatient surgery. Um, I mean, so does the word exorcism, but well, yeah, I it have literally a mole means ta- and I need to get taking out. <laughs> So, but at at the end of the whole thing, he's kind of Father Karras is kind of the last man standing, and despite all of his doubts, he is the one to look a physical embodiment of literal evil in the eye and say, "I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to save this kid," and That's he. He does, and it comes at a huge, a huge sacrifice. He, he, it, this massive sacrifice he makes to do the right thing, because despite his doubts, he stands by the strength of his convictions, and he does what he knows is right. And to me, that's a pretty admirable quality in a person, man or otherwise. Sure. It's, it's, it's just it's a good example. Uh, also, yes, the movie is. Uh, very scary and I think very well made. It's kind of the one of the best in the movies that one of the movies that makes the best use of sound in my opinion. So if you watch it, watch it with headphones. Hmm. So that you can get it's, the whole effect. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it's it good. in a long, long time. Uh, yeah. It's t- it's a movie. It's a movie. Like I think the controversy around it was like. That it was trifling with demonic forces, you know, sort of tempting. I don't think it's them, though, or saying no. It's a good it's thing, basically so. basically it is a movie that says, okay, you want to take demon possession seriously? Let's take it seriously. Well, you know, and, and I, I think of um, I, this was obviously a, a director who later made a similar movie, uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which was Scott Derrickson, right? I believe. And you know Scott, yep, Derrickson, Scott Derrickson, as a as a believer, uh, said you know he was kind of challenged like why would you make a movie that's so dark? And he just said like you know sometimes portraying the evil also can point us to the good, you know. And I I think that's a valid kind of take. I think we you know I mean I think some people may the Exorcist or the Exorcism of Emily Rose are not movies for everybody, and there's some people that should mm-hmm. just stay away from it, you know. Sure. But I sure. think that there is um, there is value in telling those kinds of stories. So denying darkness doesn't make it go away. Hiding right. from it doesn't make it go away. Right. It just makes you less prepared for when it finds you. So, Caleb, you talk about horror movies and guys uh, with with a, a theme of masculinity. I'm, let's yeah, see if I, I can ruin your list. Ruin my list? If it, 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 I'm, I'm betting it's on there. I don't know. Oh. 
A Quiet Place. John Krasinski's character. Oh, um, John Krasinski's character of, I'm here to protect my family at all costs. I will not spoil it because it's still fairly new, and there's a sequel coming out or prequel or something. I'm not sure. It's a sequel, prequel. Per sequel, but um, sequel with flashbacks. It's called. It's called Part Two, so I'm pretty sure it's a some kind of sequel. All I know is is that um, there is that. driving force of a father to protect his own which honestly like that's that is super important you know and that's something that like like we have to think in those and not even just a father like you protect your family at all costs you know i mean caleb heck i know that is why you are staying home right now during COVID 19 because you're protecting your family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i mean that's that's something that is very masculine and it's something that is uh embedded in us so like you want to talk about a, a horror movie that does that that's a great example i mean it's not your i guess it's a monster movie it's a horror movie it's a horror movie it's a horror movie, it's a horror movie. Yeah. so so if we need another manly movie in the genre that's one we could that, put out there that that one specifically you know his, his sort of drive to protect his family again we were talking about like no parent is perfect he makes mistakes he sort of prioritizes not again trying not to spoil anything but he sort of prioritizes the protection aspect of fatherhood over some other aspects of fatherhood, sure. yeah, sure, and it mm-hmm. it comes back it comes back to bite him a little bit, sure. <laughs> and Definitely. you know, I like I like characters that are dimensional like that because it makes them feel like real people, yeah. you know. Yeah, we we don't have a, a a clear golden, you know. We always make mistakes and then we we work with them. So yeah, I, I love that movie. I think it's a great example. What about you, Abe? You I got, wasn't expecting you, that. You got any more on your list of uh, manly movies? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies that you can, like, take manly lessons or, like, things from it that, like, you wouldn't exactly call manly movies. Okay. You know? Um, something off the top of my head is uh, we recently watched that new uh, Pixar movie, The Onward. Which, uh, the movie is about these two brothers who really want to see their dad, who died. And so they're, like, trying to bring back their dad. And, like, along the way, they, like, the the one kid, he learns, like, lessons about, like, being a man. And it's, it's, it's kind of unexpected because the movie doesn't really, the movie, I wouldn't call it a manly movie. Right, it's a kids movie. Yeah, but but it has the it has manly themes and lessons in it. It's very very much very much a family movie. Can anyone guess what I did at the end of that movie? You cried. Me too. If I you cried. if yeah. you guessed I cried, you're correct. <laughs> I literally came out of that movie and said out loud, "I love my brothers." <laughs> <laughs> my um, my when I was a little kid, I was probably about uh, I want to say probably about five or six, and my dad watched a movie called. We watched it together. It was called The Champ with Ricky Schroeder. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a boxing movie. Yes. I know I'm going to spoil this. I don't care. The Champ dies in the ring. He's dead. He's gone. And my dad loved boxing. He loved boxing movies. So I remember sitting there at five or six years old and seeing my dad sobbing at the end of this movie. And I'm like... I I laughed at him. I thought it was the funniest thing. Honestly, it's the first time I remember seeing my dad cry. Now, I know that, you know, throughout my life, my dad cried a lot. But uh, 
and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But so, so dad got mad that I was laughing at him. So back in those days, if you wanted to watch a movie, you either went to the theater, you watched it when it was on TV, or you went to the video store where you had to rent a VHS player and the VHS tapes and bring them home and watch it. And a lot of times the VHS tapes, this video store we went to, I swear this guy like just pirated all of them. <laughs> like he like taped it off of TV or whatever. I don't know. But he, uh, dad rented the very next weekend where the red fern grows, uh, which is, uh, a movie about this boy with his two coon hounds. About and, red ferns and growing. And, and the dogs died and I cried and I cried. And my dad looked at me and he said, son, I want you to remember this. It takes a big man to cry and it takes an even bigger man to laugh at him. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I learned an important lesson there. <laughs> Does that mean that you're the bigger man? It means that I wasn't, and he was reminding me of that. <laughs> but he said it takes a bigger man to laugh at him. Right. He says, in other words, don't laugh at me when I'm crying unless you're bigger than me. Ah, okay. So, anyway, just thought I'd share that little story since we're talking about crying at movies. Uh, Caleb, what else is on yes. your list? So, throughout this whole thing, I've sort of, like I said, tried to find examples of uh, of characters who demonstrate aspects of masculinity that should be aspired to, right? Mm. And with this last one, it is perhaps the most important aspect of masculinity that one can aspire to, and that is the ability to sword fight motorcycle riding ninjas whilst riding on a horse. Yes. Correct. Uh, that is the correct I have, answer. I have chosen for my final pick John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum from 2019, directed by Chad Stahelski. This is really kind of a vote for the John Wick series as a whole, because yeah. they're all really great. They feel um, like one movie, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all kind of sort of build on each other. But this is like... Just like... Just, just like pure cinematic joy these movies they're extraordinarily violent yeah. like ridiculously but like it's so over the top that it starts to feel like a cartoon um i can't remember if it was in john wick 2 or 3 but in one of them early on in the movie like in the first couple of shots of the movie the camera's going through times square and it briefly focuses on a buster keaton movie being projected on the side of a building and that's what these movies are. They're basically like goofy cartoon action violence for the sake of pure entertainment. Yeah, which, um, and which they are entertaining. I know. I know. There's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, how can you?" It's. I don't even know how to describe why we love that stuff. It's just fun. But there is this element of fun because, like, character-wise, I mean, let's kind of sum up without any spoilers. But the plot is mm-hmm. John Wick is Keanu Reeves. Um, Keanu Reeves as John Wick. That's the plot. There you go. No, uh, he's <laughs> his. He has lost his wife, so he's mm-hmm. he's got a deep wound, and he's in the process of grieving. His wife's last gift to him was a dog yeah. to help him cope with the grief. Yes, and yes. Uh, and the other thing she kind of pointed out, basically, because you need something to love other than your car, right? Mm-hmm. That was what the letter said. Is that what I, I, yeah, it was something. I can, something. To I that can never effect. read text in movies. 
Unless it's like I think she reads it. I think she reads it out loud. Well, then I don't. I don't listen to people's movies. I think it's voiceover. So he he has this dog and this car, and they're the two things in the world that he has left to love. We don't know his backstory at this point, but next thing you know, (laughs) the Russian mob. Or the children of the Russian mob. Just some punk kids, basically. Yeah, they come in and yeah. they kill his dog and they steal his car. Yeah. And then we find out that they just did that to the wrong man because John Wick <laughs> is, like, a legendary assassin. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It gets... who, had, who had retired. Yeah, he had retired and, to be with his wife. And, and now he's back. And uh, <laughs> it is... He's back to get vengeance. And Yeah, which... So, here's the thing. In terms of examples of of good men, I wouldn't necessarily recommend going on a revenge murder spree under any circumstance. No. (laughs) But it's fun to watch. I mean, it's fun Uh, for the Russian mob, right? Yeah, I, I think part of the reason that the movie resonates with men is because... Heck, a man, a masculine, manly quality is justice. We want to see justice, and, sure. and we the easiest, like... the easiest hook to get someone on a character's side is to kill their dog. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like you, like you, how dare you? So, so I think I think the I reason, kill them all, John. <laughs> I think the reason that movie resonates with us is because we like. We like we want to see justice for that cute little puppy. I think it was a beagle, wasn't it? Was it a beagle? I think it was a beagle, right? Yeah. We want to see justice for that dog, and we want to see justice for that car, and um, and everybody loves Keanu Reeves. So like, it doesn't matter what he makes, we're all gonna be like, oh, it's the best. You always want to hug a sad Keanu Reeves. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. For a long time, Keanu Reeves was the butt of a lot of bad actor jokes, and I'm not saying everything he's ever done is perfect. But there is a specific zone that he works in that when he finds directors who know how to get him there, he is the best at it. Directors like Chad Stahelski for these movies or the the Wachowskis for The Matrix. Yeah. When, when he's in his element, he is the best person in his element. His physicality is incredible. And his acting, like the emotional scenes he has in these movies really work. It's just, he's... He's really good, and they're really good movies. They're really solid, entertaining, and they sort of build out almost like this underground fantasy world of, like, an assassin bureaucracy. It's... Yeah, like, there's actually a neat kind so of sub-story fun. happening and, and all the rules and all that. So, like, it, you're... It, it's not just the the glorified violence. Like, there's actually a story, and there's a world there, and it's, it's interesting, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to part four. Uh, that was definitely also on my list. So I think you've also hit... We had several crossovers, I think, in our two lists of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of ours crossed over, right? Oh, we The Rockies. Rocky. Yeah, the Rockies. Yeah, yeah. yeah but on, like, that's one that Mountains. I definitely was... It, that was on my list was the John Wick movies. I think they're, they're a lot of fun. I, everybody talked about it for a long time. I'm like, what is this all about? That doesn't even look interesting to me. And then... Isaiah finally talked... Uh, Isaiah's my other son. He talked me into watching it. I'm like, what'd you point at me and say your other son? <laughs> he, he's the cool one. <laughs> Just kidding. There's, I have no favorites. Caleb, you're my favorite son and you're not my son. Caleb, you're my favorite son. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, 
But uh, he, he, he finally talked me to watch it, and I watched it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then the trailer, it, it was right before the trailer for 3 came out that we watched the first two. Then the trailer for 3 comes out, and I go nuts because John Wick is on a horse. And it's like, so here's this awesome character riding a horse through New York City. And it's like, yes, yes, all is right with the world. So, definitely, I agree 100%. It's definitely a manly movie. And we and it resonates. I don't know that there's I don't know that there's a, a grand lesson in it. It's just a movie that we relate to. Don't mess with uh, John Wick. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. the lesson. Don't mess with John Wick. If you happen to come across John Wick, don't steal his car or kill his dog. <laughs> Those are surefire ways. <laughs> Those are surefire ways to uh, to end up in a bad way. Definitely. Awesome. So uh, I think we've hit. Did you have any other movies on your list that you wanted to mention? Um, no. Not really. Awesome. Do you have any honorable mentions or anything else you wanted to mention? Um, I mean, I don't know. Um, there are examples of movies about how not to be a good man that I think are quite instructive and interesting. Movies shot. like. Yes, The Shining. The Shining is an example of how to be a very bad father and husband. Um, I think Fight Club gets an interesting uh, reaction from people because it is a satire of sort of like hyper-violent, you know, super tough guy masculinity. Um, But a lot of people took the satire as literal uh, back when it came out and sort of miss it misinterpreted the whole point of the movie, which is like, hey, you know, punching each other in the face and blowing up buildings doesn't make you more of a man. Uh, um, the uh, Another David Fincher movie, The Social Network, I think is interesting, about, you know, sort of how not to make friends, you know? <laughs> especially especially the, the friendship between... Uh, in that movie, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Eduardo Saverin, how it's entirely based on competition with each other instead of, you know, like actually enjoying each other's, other's company or like admiring things about each other. Um, yeah, those are some good ones. Um, but in terms of movies along the theme that I was going for, I will again recommend Bridge of Spies. I think that's a terrific movie. It's a Spielberg movie with uh, with Tom Hanks and uh, it's, Tom Hanks. it's always Tom Mark Hanks. Mark Rylance and uh, it's just it's a really solid movie about good people doing the right thing, even when literally everyone is telling them to, you know, sort of go more with mob justice. So I really I really appreciate that movie a lot. Awesome. We'll check it out. So, uh, let's play a game, Caleb. This is how the game works. We played this with Caleb quite a bit, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it doesn't We just kind of call it the Avengers game, because Caleb is, like I said, he's kind of the film buff, the guy that knows like just about everything there is to know about movies. Also randomly memorizes everybody's birthday, which is also that... weird. But um, it, it's his superpower. But... Um, what we do is we pick a movie, and then Caleb uh, thinks about it for a second, and then uses that movie and the people that either star or the cast and crew or directed. He kind of uses that circle of people to connect it to other movies 
all the way back to the Avengers. So sometimes it's one to one, sometimes it's three or four steps, and he gets gets us to the Avengers. It's and like it's, the Kevin Bacon. Thing. It's kind of like Kevin Bacon, only uh, it we More don't fun. have to have just six degrees. There can be as many degrees as we need. But um, so let's let's uh, see what we can do. Let's let's maybe start with some of the movies that we mentioned. So Abe, why don't you of the movies we mentioned pick one, and we'll see how long it takes Caleb. How many steps it takes Caleb to connect it to the Avengers? Um, how about Forrest Gump? Okay. Forrest Gump was written by Eric Roth, who also co-wrote A Star is Born, which was directed uh, by Bradley Cooper, who played Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy, and also in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, which co-starred all of the Avengers from the Avengers. There we Boom. go. Okay, there we go. so... How about the movie Warrior? So that's, that was our first one on the list. What? Uh, let's connect the Warrior with, Ooh, with okay. the Avengers. Okay, okay. Warrior. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> Warrior was... Uh, the cinematographer of Warrior was Masanobu Takayanagi who also shot uh, Spotlight, which featured uh, Rachel McAdams, who was in Doctor Strange with Benedict Cumberbatch, who played Doctor Strange in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, which also featured the entire cast of Avengers. Spotlight had Mark Ruffalo as well, right? So Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton, who was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, so yeah, we've got those connections. I mean, Mark there. Ruffalo cool. would be quicker. That's awesome, though. Okay, so... That's um, true. Mark Ruffalo would be quicker, yeah. All right, so let's go with uh, one more then. Uh, or let me do a couple more. Let's go with John Wick 3. Let's connect John Wick 3. That's par- Is that Parabellum? Yeah. John mm-hmm. Wick 3, Parabellum. How many steps does it take us to get from there to the Avengers? Oh, boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, in John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, Lawrence Fishburne plays a character that I call the Pigeon King. He's actually officially called the Bowery King, but I refuse to call him that because he's the Pigeon King. He's the King of the Pigeons. Um, Lawrence Fishburne also is in Ant-Man and the Wasp, featuring Paul Rudd, who's in Avengers Endgame, which features all of the characters from the Avengers. (laughs) Awesome. Hmm. Pigeon King. I love it. All right, let's do one more. Let's do... uh... Let's go way back, then. I almost want Rocky, but that's that's easy because then you've got Creed and Sylvester Stallone is in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Oh, he is, he yeah. is, yeah. So, huh. so you've got you got Michael B. Jordan and so we're not even going to go Rocky movies. That's too easy. Let's go hard here. Let's go A Quiet Place. Mm. This is not a connection, but it's interesting. Um, Emily Blunt was originally cast as Black Widow in Iron Man Two. But she had to back out because of scheduling conflicts with a movie that nobody remembers uh, based on, uh, what is that, Gulliver's Travels? Is that what it's called? Yeah. This is the Jack Black version. Oh, I remember that movie. Am I the only one who remembers that movie? So we could have... Obsession with Jack Black, so... We could have have had an entirely entirely different Black Widow if it hadn't been for Gulliver's Travels. (laughs) Um, I know there's rumors that the next phase of Marvel may include John Krasinski, so that might be oh, a yeah, easier connection um, down the road. John Krasinski actually screen tested for Captain America. He was close. Hmm. He was like in the last two or three people. He does not look um, like Captain America, though. It just, it's the nose, man. It's the nose. It's the nose. 
He's got kind of like um, the chin that like sticks out in a bad way. Have you seen him in Jack Ryan though? He's I haven't seen it yet. It looks awesome. He's though. freaking huge. Like he was still and all jacked huge for in a Quiet Place. He yeah he was still all jacked for that show when he was doing a Quiet Place. So I remember somebody reviewing the movie was like, the fifth member of the family is John Krasinski's huge neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so we're looking at a Quiet Place to the Avengers, right? Okay. Um. A uh, Quiet Place, in A Quiet Place, the Sun is played by an actor named Noah Jupe, hmm. who was in, uh, shoot, I lost it. Hang on. Where's the Noah Jupe connection? <laughs> I want to see that movie, the Noah Jupe connection. I just, the Noah Jupe connection. I just think the fact that oh. Caleb, the, the fact that Caleb, like, knows that the little boy's name is Noah Jupe is just as impressive as whatever connection he's making. I'm like, how does he remember that stuff? So um, they will find it. The Noah Jupe connection. <laughs> oh. I got it. It wasn't Noah Jupe. It wasn't a Noah Jupe connection. That was one of the first routes I tried to go down, but I didn't. Um, okay. So, A Quiet Place. The cinematographer in A Quiet Place was Charlotta Bruce Christensen, who also shot Molly's Game, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The Social Network, which was directed by David Fincher, who also directed Zodiac, featuring Mark Ruffalo, who plays Ooh. the Hulk in The Avengers. There I love go. Zodiac. That's a good movie. Yeah, this is a good movie. Hey, this was a lot of fun. It was fun. Super fun. Fun, fun, funny times. I, uh, I it was, think... It's fun Fun to see you guys. It was. I, we definitely miss not being all together and having the uh, oh, the real-life connections that we get to have. The I think Noah uh, the Noah Jupe connections. The, the real Noah Jupe connections. I do think we should um, we should do some more podcast episodes in the future. I think you guys, I think the two of you guys Definitely. should do your own, uh, just generally pop culture movie podcast. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That's all we could do. Yeah, that'd uh, be cool. So any any of my tools that I can use to help you guys get it out there, I'm definitely willing to do. So like a screwdriver, I can help. So tools. Oh, right. Bandsaw. Push saw, circular saw. You know what I'm saying. Bone anyway, saw. Bone saw is ready. <laughs> Three minutes of playtime. <laughs> anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you guys hanging out with Absolutely. me for the Manly of Mancast, and we'll uh, be in touch again soon, guys. Thanks. you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. Be sure to check out all our resources at manlyhood.com store. This episode is produced by... Thatcher Media for Manlyhood.com Our manly theme music is from Austin Sterling and also from Mark Cruz. Sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, YouTube, or whatever you're listening to. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.